this year. Ready? I'm ready. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Propaganda, the property podcast brought to you by Stanford Sales and Lettings. Uh, as always, I'm joined by James from our Forest Hill branch, Alex from our Hiver Green branch and myself from our Catford office. Um, in today's episode, we're going to mainly be covering the material information for property listings and what changes that's had this week or have there been changes. Um, but as always, guys, before we sort of jump into it, anything you'd like to... Uh, to cover before we get into anything. What you not really. Up to? Preparing for our Christmas fair in Hivergreen tomorrow. Oh, oh nice. The annual fair, yes. Doing a mulled wine stall. Although we sell mince pies and you get free mulled wine because you don't have an alcohol license. Yeah. So. They're like the most yeah. expensive mince pies. Six pounds for a mince pie if you want yeah. one. But Give you, you a glass of free mulled free, wine on the side. Yeah. And what are mince pies made of? Mince. Fruit in it. It's not mince. Yeah. mince you thought it was mince meat, didn't it? Is that what you thought? <laughs> it was. Oh, what, back in the day? Yes, what, it that's was. True? Okay, fair enough. Oh, really? oh, yeah, in the Victorian times, it was made of mincemeat. Okay, fair enough. There you go, a little property facts, mm. or uh, just the facts. Christmas facts. Yeah. I mm. can't tell you how hard it is to try and buy 150 bottles of mulled wine in shops. Lidl and Aldi, oh, no, there are other supermarkets it, yeah. available. We'll only know you buy 12 at a time. Really? Mm. So we were going what, in and out, resale? but they weren't restocking the shelves. I think because the scalpers buying them and reselling and mm. oh, right, marking okay. the bottle up. Yeah. But you having to go in and out every every day and they wouldn't stop the shelves they're not having to order a ton i had to order 100 bottles from sainsbury's delivery man turned up he's like i've got 100 bottles of wine for you is that just like yeah bring him in buddy <laughs> having a good christmas yeah. <laughs> it's just just you yeah own. exactly just me and henry in the office like yes the thing is that every year you do that you always think oh we've ordered too much and it always, and goes, it always goes so what we every year we always try and remember how many bottles we had and every time we get to the back end of the following year we're like oh god what was it so Rob, I messaged Robin, who used to be of us, and she just had a picture on her phone, and then we actually she had, took a picture of the empty bottles on the side, so we counted the bottles. Is right. that how you did it? Yeah, it worked oh, out was about 130 odds. So we got 150 just because just there's always case. a break yeah, where yeah. you you're running for like half an hour. You're like, oh my god, can't serve anything. So we're yeah. just scrapping around trying to buy more bottles. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully go straight through. Is it still as busy as it used to be, or has it got busier? Yeah. Well, it wasn't on for a few years, was it? And then last year it was. No, yeah, it was. But I mean, last year was our the biggest amount that we'd raised, the money that we'd taken. Awesome. Yeah. How which, much did uh, we raise? We did, I think we did about just short of two grand. Wow. Yeah, £1,800, I think. And there's also another mauled wine stand there as well, isn't there? There's Out another the one, pub. yeah. Doesn't everyone come down and tell us ours is the best though? That's the way you. Well, to the be. other guy, I mean, we obviously run it on VAT. We do a little professional outfit, you know. We've yeah. got two big VATs. It's a full store, which is ready to rock. And Henry's worked in uh, Hosp- uh, hospitality, hospitality and Robin had yeah. done it before. So, you know, there's a smooth thing going. Whereas Tim down the other end, who's part of the local group, he has a little like camping stove with a little pot on it that he's warming up in. So oh. I mean, he's just forever like, it's four cups and he's done. <laughs> and then he's got a reboot. Um, right, so we'll get into I mean, this is going to be quite an interesting one for me to be Hang fair. Hang on. What about me? Oh, oh but... <laughs> what about you, James? Been to any conferences? Glossed over. I've got nothing to say. I just thought it was a bit rude. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I've got a bone to pick with you, Jack, actually. Oh, here we go. I've got a bone to pick with you. You may remember to cast your mind back <laughs> to, uh, is, yeah. to last week when um, there was a conversation there was a quiz I believe and following that quiz was some questions about house prices and yep. I think one of those questions was what is the average house price in Lewisham property price flat Pro- sorry, terrace my apologies property price in Lewisham now I can't remember exactly what Alex said I think you said about four six five, which I have to say was I thought was a very reasonable. Um, yeah, and it ended up being four eighty, didn't it? All right, four eighty. I was right on the money. No, no, it was five five six five five oh, six it, yeah. five. Um, and I'd said four forty and thought, 
you know, 465, pretty good, but felt it was a bit lower. So interestingly, the next day, what came through was the UK house price index from HomeTrack. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, let me just have a little look at that, given my issues with Jack's right move data that he was quoting. And I thought, all right, we've got all the local authorities here, so let's have a little look. Oh, Lewisham. What is the average house price in Lewisham, according to the the actual data? House? Terrace? Sorry, the average property price, mate. Sorry, average property price. I'm going to say it's mid 400, like we said. 465. 442, 200. <laughs> you said 440. Yeah. <laughs> You've bodged these stats. He's ducked it, yeah. So I was out by 2,200, which I do apologise for. I should Where's have been this more information from? This is from HomeTrack. So this is the, the most up-to-date house price index that I could find, which... The you would H- expect the HPI it to be at that level, property. wouldn't you? Because the volume of flats that are sold, I mean, it's... I'd have to disagree with that data, James. <laughs> the quiz master is never wrong. Maybe Rightmove is well. providing you uh, average listed but value. But that says property. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. Confusing myself there for a minute. Rightmove might be giving you the average marketing value of houses from the point at which they get under offer. Yeah, no, I can tell you exactly what it was, but... We need to disagree. But I I did find it interesting that literally the next day this email came through with the current update and I thought, oh, just have a quick look. And then there it was. Fair enough. Listen back to that podcast, a little smile on your face. I did. I certainly did. Whilst we are just following on, we'll get into this in a little bit then, but whilst we are following on from um, last week's episode, we had a bit of a back and forth about transactions of being low. If you remember, I was saying, I think the last three years have been pretty busy and you guys were like, oh, no, actually transactions are low. Just, we didn't really cover too much on that, but why do you think the transactions are lower in the last three years than sort of 2013, 14, 15, 16? Interestingly on that one, I did also go back and do some research. Oh, so I, down- <laughs> I downloaded the stats and had a look. Um, we won't use my stats for this one. No, no, no. So this is off the LAM registry. This is the LAM registry's actual stats for transactions. And... I haven't gone with me because didn't realise we were going to go back over it. But it it was correct. So if you use the twelve month period from January to December, then and you compare that with the preceding periods in sort of two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, the number of property transactions are significantly down. So mm. the average uh, number of transactions around within the borough of Lewisham specifically, were over the last, uh, over 2021 and 2022, hovered, I think it was between three and a half and 4,000 transactions from memory, which is about a thousand less than what they were during the teens and in, in the noughties teens or whatever the correct Phrase term for that decade is, up until... The referendum result, which, as we know, obviously slowed things down and um, the number of transactions went down then. Interestingly, if you go back to the early noughties, sort of before credit crunch time, 6,000. Okay. 6,000 transactions. So why? Alex, you got any thoughts on why? Do you know, I mean, the only thing I would say why, I think you... People would think that there has been a, you know, the last few years have been, it was very good during COVID. It was good before that. You've got to think actually really over the last 10 years, it's been very up and down. It's been, you know, so there's a lot of, I guess, uncertainty for some people, you know, and when it's, when it's slowed down or something's happened, the people have sat back, but we'll just wait it out. We'll see. 
I don't know whether people have been more inclined to stay put and do extensions. You know, people always used to move. It wasn't very, you know, regular that people would just extend and stay there. I guess the cost of stamp duty and stuff these days because of house prices, you're, you're looking at moving and paying out X amount of tens of thousands of pounds. People have become more used to doing work and doing and staying put. Um, but yeah, I think generally, if you actually look back, although people would say it saying, oh my God, but those COVID was fantastic. Everything, you know, the market shut up. It's actually just been very up and down. There hasn't really been a period of four or five years of actual stability. It's been real sort of, you know, fluctuation. That Certainly since 2016. But are you yeah. saying that in terms of price or transactions? I'm saying that in terms of the market generally, and ultimately people are affected by what's going on around them. So when the market starts to slow down, people stay put. When the market skyrockets, some people also may think, well, hold on a minute, I'm moving here. I'm going to pay all this money for this house, the stamp duty, everything, and they jump in this pool. I'll just do a loft extension. I'll stay put, we'll bed down, we'll move again in seven years. And then comes that cycle where people start to live places for longer. Yeah, I, th- I think Alex is spot on. I think it's it's interesting for me. I, I had a conversation sort of towards the end of last week with Ben about stamp duty in particular. And I was going to say even last week you were saying about the. the it, tax. I think I think it's it's such an archaic system. In, in a, going back to you guys know that I'm all for taxing people because we need tax, but there's a there's a way of going about it, and I think unfortunately when stamp duty land tax came in, when you look at what the value of property was at the time. It, it was reasonable. It worked out. And they, the government has adjusted it and, you know, tried to do things. But ultimately, specifically for London, and I don't think it's as big a problem outside of London or outside of higher value areas. And arguably, you might then say, well, well why shouldn't people with higher value property pay more tax? And that that is fair enough. But I do think there is a certain psychological and financial blockade as a result of quite how much the stamp duty is because if you take an average sort of three bedroom terrace house for for our area from I, I don't know even 15 years ago you're probably looking at 300 Levendale Road something like that 15 years ago 300 yeah. grand probably even less less than that yeah yeah to 260 maybe and you look at even though the stamp duty back then for property purchase under a million quid was generally worse as in you would spend more but because of the value of property back then, anyone with a million pound house, you're talking about, I mean, that was, you know, yeah, prime exactly. central. Whereas for where we are now, a million pound house, we we see those regularly. So you're talking about a standard three bedroom family terrace that you could buy for 260, 270 potentially, um, versus that same terrace now that's probably 650 to 700 and all that extra stamp duty. So it was a lot easier to move back then in terms of from the financial aspect because you didn't have this 30 grand bill just for the purely and simply because you want to move house yeah but i'd also say and you're like you know you have the opinion of you know tax people that should be taxed you said last week like the three percent you'd be happy to pay that as a additional thing but i think a million pound house is 42 grand stamp duty yeah probably thereabouts i would have thought i mean in the grand scheme of things it's not but crazy it, it is when you're adding you've got your estate agent fees your removal costs your legal fees your surveying fees you know it all adds up and actually if you're it goes back to what alex just said which i think is a very very valid point if you're going to look at moving from from say now from a 650 house three bedroom mid terrace as built to a million pound house and you're looking at what all those costs are going to be and then you look at well, if we convert the loft and we do an extension, how much is that going to cost us? I think certainly where we've been 
up until very recently when you could do a loft conversion for 50 grand, you could do a rear extension for 7Z. For a lot of people, it was kind yeah. of a, well, we like where we live. We don't need to spend that extra money. And actually, if we're going to lose the best part of 50 to 60 grand just in costs, we might as well just do... To spend the money on the house. Just do the extension, yeah. do the loft conversion. Then we're adding value as well. So I think that's... But now building costs... Maybe that comes full circle. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you're we're getting clients that are being quoted 100 grand for a loft conversion, you know, 120 grand for a rear extension. Yeah, that's an awful lot more money. And I think we are probably, as you just said, on the cusp now of it going back for yeah. 180, back to people moving, yeah. potentially. Yeah, but on that, just on, in particular, the stamp duty, you said even like 2020, 2021, 22, 23, there was a stamp duty holiday then, transactions were still down. Yeah. yeah, but then it was also just a, a crazy market. A lot of people were furloughed. I mean, you think everyone could, there's a lot of people moving. Half the country didn't have jobs, weren't in a position to be able to move just because a portion of people could. I mean, it doesn't affect everyone, did it? I would. I don't think it'd have that much effect because, what, what? to be honest, Sorry. so what, this, if you had, for example, a stamp duty holiday, if it was just eradicated. I don't think it should be eradicated. No, but or you're just saying if it was, what would that do like, for well, the market? Was, yeah. I, I think you'd have an awful lot more movement. If there was no tax. To sell, but do you think that's just a psychological thing? To purchase, because sorry. okay, and I know this is just me personal, and I might be looking yeah. a bit too inward. I was fortunate enough when I was buying, they announced the stamp duty. Just coincidentally, yeah. Um, I oh sorry, when I was looking, yeah, I didn't then think, oh, I've saved nine grand. I offered nine grand more on the yeah, house. Yeah, but that's just psychological. So we still you, spent the money. You'd rather spend it on a house than give it to the tax man. That's but just always, simple logic. I've always said yeah, that. But you're still spending the money. Doesn't yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Moving, and this is what I'm saying about people not moving, it's all psychological. It's what the effects are around them. If someone said to me, look, there's no tax, but you start looking, the house will be more expensive. I don't really care. But I'd rather put £20,000 into my next new home that's going to be mine than have to put that money and then give £20,000 to the tax man. Simple, just, it's just like logic in your head. Yeah, but... It's yeah. psychologically, it's that's a far nature. easier thing to do, yeah. isn't it? You'd rather pay a little bit more for something you're going to be buying and having yourself rather than having to buy it and give someone else some money for the sake of buying it. Yeah. The other thing you've got to remember, mate, that nine grand extra that you've offered isn't actually nine grand in terms of your costs that day because you're just that's Don't just on bolted onto the mortgage. Yeah. Or deposit. Whereas, well, it'd be the deposit. Or, but, yeah. Yeah. Whereas when you're talking about it from a stamp duty point of view, whatever that is, you have to have nine, it, yeah. third, like that's gone. For you to offer an extra nine grand over and above what you were willing to pay is going to cost you. Uh, you know. Yeah, but I so if the vast majority of people did that even when there was the holiday. Just offered more. Whatever they saved, I'd think they just. Psychologically, that's but, but that's because of what it does in terms of boosting the number of buyers. Yeah, the amount it, of people that would have had more money going into that purchase because they could have said, "Fine, I'll, you can offer an extra twenty thousand yeah. pounds. I'll, I'll put an extra couple of thousand on my deposit. I'll put an extra 50 quid a month on my mortgage and I'll be 18 okay, grand back in my pocket. my point. My point is transactions are down and we've had a stamp duty holiday. So why? Because that's what I'm saying. Half the country were furloughed and weren't in a position to move just because the selection of people at work didn't affect everyone, did it? If they did it in a very normal market where prices weren't volatile and there wasn't this like, you know, period of time where everything was so congested and everyone had the opportunity and it was for a, a longer period of time, of course it'd increase. Because you'd have less, to, people would need to come up with an extra 20, 30, 40,000 pounds to move. But also transactions were up based on the stamp duty holiday period. I'm talking January to December. If you focus it on actually the period of the stamp sure, duty yeah. holiday, transactions were up. In June, there was over 700, trans, which is when the original stamp duty holiday came to an end, June 2022. Bearing in mind, I told you there were three and a half to four over that whole 12 month period. In June alone of that year, there were over 700 transactions. Yeah. 
So the for in, what for Lewisham? I was going to say not the kind of people. No, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, just for Lewisham. So twenty yeah, percent. Wow, when you think about that in terms of people might think, well, seven hundred—that's not a lot. But you think about in an area that's actually quite tight, and that's yeah. only you know a certain amount of agents. I mean, that's a lot of property to shift in a month. Yeah, a lot. And by context, the following month, July, was a hundred and five or something. So the if if and this is the point with the data. If you want to look at it sort of in isolation, then yeah, transactions were up, but only specifically for that stamp duty period. But what what I'm talking about and what we were sort of saying last week is that if you're looking at it over a 12 month fair period, then actually transactions are down. And I think one of the blocks is moving costs and, and specifically the, the tax implications of it. So do you think moving forward 2024, 20, 25, 26 transactions will get even lesser no i think at some because point that wheel has to turn and i think we are probably on the cusp of that well you could if you look at it on the other side of that and argue the other point that decade of 2000 and what was it you said 13 2012 13 to yep. 2026 say that decade that's a decade of like generationally low interest yeah of borrowing being cheap so if the interests are going to be higher for the next 10 years do you think that would well not really because if you're a first buyer coming right? to the market don't know any different yeah I'm just asking. <laughs> just asking. But, to yeah. your opinion on it. It's, I, I it's, it's a it's, valid question. What you don't know is it doesn't. What it doesn't. What you don't know doesn't affect you. If I'm looking to buy a property and my interest rate's five percent, I mean that's what's available, and therefore I'll adjust my budget to suit. But everyone who buys isn't a first-time buyer. Of course not. But then are you going to go and jump up three hundred thousand pound in in value, or are you going to go and jump up one hundred and fifty thousand pound because that's what you can afford to do? I actually also went away and did my own research on uh, some of this, and interestingly, because I. Maybe again, just looking a little bit inward, if I'm honest, I I couldn't believe it was so different. Like what you were saying, like mm. it wasn't bad. They reckon this year, so this um, 2023, this is uh, Zoopla, is forecasted that sales will be the lowest since 2012 by the end of the year. Just out of curiosity, how, in the country, how yeah, many how many completions do you reckon? In the country? Yeah. I don't, I just don't know, I never looked at it generally. No, no I, exactly. I can't even a think million. on the scale. A million completions compared yeah. to... A normal, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest with oh, you. So, what, so <laughs> they're, they're forecasting a million, a million completions in yeah, 2023. Okay. I'd... What was very interesting is that they said uh, it's the what is now the equivalent of every household in the country moving once every 23 years when the usual average is moved once every eight years. Yeah. that See, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's mad, isn't it? What? Yeah. Three times different. Well, that 24. doesn't surprise me in the least. And I do think there, there's several factors. There is the uncertainty that has undoubtedly been there. There is the increase in mortgage rates um, that's going to put people off. So it's, but ultimately, we all need somewhere to live. And you're going to have people that die. You're going to have people that get married. You're going to have people that get children, that have children. You're going to have people that are sick of renting. So there is always going to be movement. But I think there is, without doubt, a lot of people that haven't moved over the last however long it is that would normally have moved. And I'm hopeful we're going to go into a period where it's a bit more settled in 2024. And I, I, think, I think we will see an increase in transactions in 2024. I do. I don't think we'll see an increase in values. And I don't think anyone will really notice it. But I think we will see an increase in the number of transactions. I mean, the fact that they're saying that this is going to be the worst year since 2012. Um, I'd already thought next year would be better without knowing that. Yeah, um, of course, because it, it's just going to be more stable with interest rates. Yeah. We came into, into this year with like people just all over the place because rates had 
quadrupled or whatever. So, yeah. Sure. It'll be an interesting one to see. We'll have oh, to uh, just a little bit off the cuff following on from uh, last week's episode. Let's get into the. We'll review this episode in December 2024 and see, see what the predictions yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's get into the nitty gritty. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I know obviously a bit about this, but nowhere near as much as you guys. It is interesting to uh, pick your brains on the material information for property listings. There's been some rule changes this week. Is that correct? Well, more that there's going to be more guidance brought in. I don't think. It, whether you say it's rule changes or more that there is a sorry just before we jump into it what just for anyone listening who doesn't know what is what i've just said material information for property what is that a material information is something that may otherwise affect your decision to to purchase something right so when we talk in the sense of a house some people may look at whether a property is leasehold or freehold as a decisive point as to whether they would buy that what the costs associated to that property might be anything it can be from the price to the fact that it's leasehold it's first floor ground floor garden no garden you know, whatever it might be, south-facing garden or not, all those are material facts that may decide your your decision, affect your decision. Yeah, yeah, and that and that works across industries. You know, there'll be material information for a car that you're thinking of buying. How many yeah, miles per gallon does it do? You know, or how how long does the battery last on it? So it, it, it's not property specific. It's material material information in relation to an actual purchase of goods, which just in this case happens to be a property. And I think it's something that people have been calling out for for a very long time. And, and it's it, always been around in its in a sense. There is always information you have to disclose to buyers, and it's but over the lot since last year, and and then as of yesterday or you know mid part of this week, uh, end of November, a part uh, a part B and part C have been added onto the um, to the list of what they would denote as being material. And is it legislation? Fact. No, it's supplementary to it. So it's all to do. Basically, what you've got is you've got your um, CPR, which is consumer protection regulations, right? Um, Specifically, you've got the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations. So you used to have the Property Misdescriptions Act. That was then replaced with the CPR stuff, but in a very non-specific way. So the problem you've had is for a number of years, yes, you've got your statutory protections under the CPR regulations, but there hasn't been anything specific for this industry. Now, the the difficulty is the industry still remains unregulated, and that's another issue that needs addressing. What trading standards are trying to do is make sure that both estate agents and vendors have a responsibility to provide correct information, not just from the point of once a transaction has been agreed, once a sale has been agreed, but from the get-go when a property comes to market, here is all the information so that a buyer has actually got everything they need in order to make a decision about do they go ahead with that viewing or not. I think that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good thing. So is that from the listing of the property? Yes. And, uh, and, and so would that have to be factual? So just, just um, if you had... For example, I don't know, say an old lady, for mm-hmm. example, lived in the property for 40 years. You know, if it was my nan when she was alive, not the most savvy person when it would probably mm. come to things like that. But if they don't know that information, then what? The, well, the or, stand- if, or if they, not deliberately, and yep. I'm sure there's people out there, if they get it wrong. She doesn't know. She thinks she's got a 100-year lease, but she's got 60-year lease. It will if, obviously come up down the line, but then what's yeah, the implications so, there? So the... The trading standards are mainly aimed at estate agents rather than vendors. 
So the, the consumer protection regulations are aimed at vendors in terms of their responsibility to provide any information that might be material to a purchaser's decision to proceed. Okay, that's, that's the vendor side of things. The estate agent side of things is to ensure that they have done their due diligence. So as an estate agent, as long as you are following what the standards require and you are to the best of your abilities, checking to make sure you have all of that information, there isn't anything more that, that you can do. So that, that's what they're essentially saying, that you need to do your best as an estate agent to find out as much of this information as you can in advance, within reason, so that you can then make a buyer aware of that from the word go. But if someone gives you the wrong information, what you can't you provide do? information that you, you don't have. Right? So yeah. Yeah, if you were to give that information, as an agent, you've done your bit to try and extract that. What are your thoughts on listing all of that? So just so part A is what you were just saying. Information that regardless of outcome is always considered material for all properties regardless of location. This information generally involves unavoidable costs that will be incurred by the occupier regardless of the use of property. So some of the things on there that you've got, to, there's three things essentially. Tenure, council tax, and the price or the rent. Yeah, there's some. Yeah. So share, leasehold, share, what, yeah. what's your opinion on those things all in part on the listing? A, I, I think it, absolutely. Why would you not? I mean, at the end of the day, there's no point in telling someone or not disclosing whether it's leasehold or share of freehold. Someone generally is going to ask that of you anyway. So get it up there. That is, you know, a main part. What if it's an 88-year lease? So this is where, and I have to say, we actually, I don't know if it was last year, year before, I did a um, did a, uh, a webinar or something. We and, both and, did and, it, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. And we were speaking to a lady from Trading Stands, I believe it was, who was yeah. doing a seminar on uh, the information. And one of the points was about listing properties and putting what their lease is or what the service charge might be and those sort of bits of information. And the uh, directive from her was that it should be listed because it's a material fact about the property. And the argument from agents was in do in putting that up there, a buyer may, a first-time buyer may see that and just completely write the property off. If that is not on there and the buyer decides to come and view the property, really loves the property, has a chance to talk to the agent, they can explain that the lease is this length, but look, we could look to get it extended or these are the costs, but this is where it's spared. A buyer may say, do you know what? That, that makes full sense. Thank you very much. Great. And I'll offer them the property. So the argument, I guess, is sometimes that sometimes too much information. I, look, the argument is that they should be told about it, but like, is it counter, counterproductive? Is it going to stop someone from viewing it when actually they may otherwise fall in love with that property and buy it? Because yeah. there may be more information you can't disclose on a right with listing the ins and outs of a service charge and the differences about the lease and how it can extend or not. So I fully agree with obviously the basic stuff. Of course, it should all be out there. But there is some parts of information I think is far better to discuss and verbally speak to someone about than just putting the wording on something. Oh, that was, that's why I asked the question, to be fair. That's what I think the same thing. I yeah, think with leasehold in particular, it's, it's a big 100%. One. How, many, how does someone... We've had three this year that have lower leases that are being extended. Yeah, yeah but... You can you can put that lease is being extended too. That's what they're saying is that they're not saying that you can't put that information down. That wasn't they they weren't two of them were or one of them was two of them weren't going to extend the lease they until the offer came in until they did the view and, and, and then they negotiated on the basis of well the, you know the vendor is going to find out how much that costs yeah they've then done it so and, we had a, so you had a negotiation to get to that point if it was yeah. So we, we trialed it in a sense. So last year when they first brought out um, part A and started to um, bring in this directive of what you should list, it was said at the time about you need to then go and put on your, uh, the tenure, the, the length of the lease service charge and all this information. So we followed that and started doing that. We then noticed that a bunch of agents weren't doing it 
And so I checked, read the, the sort of the wording of it, which it said it wasn't mandatory. They were trying to make it, but otherwise a good practice. So we took it back off. During the period when we put those that information on properties, it the property could have been share of freehold of which it had been listed. It had a low lease that was on there. It would have explained in brackets that the vendor's willing to accept it. The amount of viewings that we gained when that wasn't on versus when it wasn't was night and day because you have to then expect a first time buyer to understand the difference between the leasehold and the share of freehold and what the purpose of extending it is. And ultimately, people looking at that are just going, no. We got properties yeah. with service charges that are a little bit higher than others normally in the area. Again, all viewings pretty much stopped when it was listed on the, on the brochure. Take it off, verbally discuss it with someone, show them the where the caretaker is and all the amenities in the building. All of a sudden, loads of viewings in the flats are selling. So, you know, what's the, at the end of the day, it's almost like you're kind of, you're stopping a buyer from also having the opportunity of seeing something they might otherwise purchase by giving too much. I understand yeah. the premise in doing it, but I, I think there's a line. Um, I think it's very difficult. I think I, I, I agree with what both you guys are saying, but I also un, understand it from the other side, which is actually the information should be there um, in order to make the decision. I think the problem is, Alex hit the, the nail on the head with one of them, which is nobody's doing it. No, nobody is. Yeah. It's doing part A, which has been out since the spring of last year. I 22. Think, or, was it June 22 it came in? Um, so summer of last year. So we are 18 months on and nobody is doing it. Now, B and C have just come in, which is more complex than part. Part A is simple. Yeah. Part A is tenure, is council tax, um, is property price. And deposits service, and stuff on service charge, ground rent details. Simple, easy, basic information. And the majority of agents out there aren't actually even doing that still. So the problem is this is all really great and very sensible on the surface, but it's not being policed. And part of the problem with it not being policed is the industry remains unregulated. So until they actually sort out the mess that is our industry, I think you're either going to have the agents that listen to this and try and do it properly and then come unstuck because it's not consistent across the industry or you're going to have the ones that continue just going, well, you know, we'll just put the price, one sentence description, a load of photos and wait for the phones to ring. I do think that it will, over time, be become better. I think there's going to be a period yeah. of sort of settling in. So if if they do enforce it and if... You know, it comes out publicly that agents are being fined for not doing that. I think that'd be a very good thing because it'll ensure that actually everybody starts doing it. But I think over time, what will happen is there will become more of an understanding. I think initially there'll be a knee-jerk reaction where it's like, oh my God, what does all this mean? It's too much. But I think it just, it will become the norm once everybody is doing it. And I think it forces agents actually to be better and go back to doing, speaking to their buyers, you know, go back to chatting with people every couple of weeks. How's it going? You know, have you seen this one? Oh, yeah, I saw it, but I ruled it out because the service charge is two and a half grand a year. Well, you know, before you do that, let me just explain to you what you get for that two and a half grand a year. So I do think there is an opportunity for good agents to actually benefit from it, but it only works if everybody is doing the same. it. Yeah. I will say that any of you, talk, you know, this information not being on the listing and, and sort of almost holding it back, any good agent, if you ring them and if a buyer says, what's the service charge ground rent, would be able to tell you immediately, right? Because if we don't have it on the brochure, it's on the notes immediately on the first page of the property. So when a buyer calls up and it's not absolutely fine, you can send it across an email, here's all the breakdown. But again, it's just more information. It gives you a chance to engage with the person already. But I do agree with James. If everyone's on the on an even playing field, 
then it's easy, isn't it? The good agents will be fine, the bad agents will be bad, and, and so be it. But at least it's a consistent flow. Yeah. I will say we fell foul of it in a sense because I was saying to all the vendors when I was doing valuations in, in a certain block where the service charge is quite high is that you have to put this out there. Other agents were going, don't be silly, we won't do it for you. Therefore, oh, I'm going to go with these guys because they said they don't have to put it on your broken. I'm saying, well, hold on a minute, this is what you should be doing. Um, yeah. So yeah. At the end of the day, the vendor wants to sell and they're going to do whatever it takes to try and make that happen, particularly in this kind of, within reason, particularly within with, with this kind of market. I think it will really affect low leases. 100% sales them. of low leases but, but then it's a case of actually what will ha- as I said it will go back to being a balanced playing field so if everybody's got to do the same thing agents aren't going to go in and go yeah don't worry about that you know we'll stick it on with its 78 year lease and it'll be absolutely fine if you're getting your three or four valuations and every estate agent is saying to you that 78 year lease is going to be a problem for selling so what we're going to need to do before we even worry about going to market is we're going to need to talk you through the process of extending it. Have you spoken to your freeholder? You know, do you understand actually what what the provisions are for the extension and what the costs are? Because fundamentally, we are not going to get you the best value with 78 years. We, we're barely even going to get any inquiries because as soon as people see that on the listing, they're going to go, no, it's not for us. But don't you do that already? Yeah. Yeah, but, but Alex's point does. is not every agent's mm. going to do that. So if you've then got another agent who's sitting there saying, don't worry about the 78 years, we'll stick it on, you know, we'll just get on with it. Well, oh, less work, less cost, cool. I'll just do that then. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> A lot of people do do that as well, don't they? Of course they do. But um, if you can't do that anymore, which is, which is why I think this is a good thing, I think it's going to be a real pain in the neck for 18 months, two years. And then I think it will become the norm. And actually, then I think it will, if anything, aid transactions. Because what is the number one thing most agents would love to avoid? Fall-throughs. Right. Yeah. And this is going to help avoid fall-throughs. Yeah, although some of this stuff, I mean, you look at this part B. Yeah, so that's what I was going to lead on to. So that's been in, so it's February 2022, not June. Okay, okay, yeah, you, it was only part yeah. last year. So, so it was pretty okay. much the entirety of last so year. So nearly yeah. two years. Fair so enough. we've had that yeah. part A. What's changed this week then? Parts B and C have come into effect. Which are? Part, so let me get this. Here we go. Let let me get this the right way around. So part C is the, um, sorry, just to do it it in reversal. Part C is the material information that may or may not affect. So it's things like building safety issues, fire risks, uh, Japanese not weed, flood, that, that sort of stuff. Part B is material issues that will affect a purchase, um, which is specifically, go on, Alex, I'll let you do this one. It's the stuff that it must be established. So it's stuff like the property type, the property construction. That's it. I mean, electricity, water supply, the heating, broadband, mobile phone signal, uh, parking. Wait, hold on. This all needs to go on the listing. Yeah. This is going to be stuff that should be found out prior. Yeah. So, I mean, in their entirety, property type, the property construction, the number and type of rooms, fine. Electricity and water supply, sewerage, heating, broadband, mobile phone signal slash coverage and parking. Well, those online agents who only get 220 uh, characters when they list it on Twitter are going <laughs> to struggle a little bit with that one, aren't they? It's um, well, some of the stuff in there you'll know anyway. You know, it's that again, it's going to be second nature to understand a. Um, the property type, I guess, to an estate agent construction. crazy. But start listing things like the mobile phone signal, broadband. Which carriers? Well, exactly. You know, are you going to walk in there and try and get everyone yeah. from every what? different type of, you know, you're on Orange, I'm on O2, you're on Sky, let's yeah. go in there and check our phone signal. And if we have company mobiles that are all on O2 and nobody uses any other network, 
I've got to be honest, I've done viewings before and people do check the signal. That's not... No, I mean, I don't... I was saying to you earlier, wasn't it? I, you know, one of the online agents I follow and, and sort of watch Instagram was sort of saying before a viewing, so saying, no, I think it's, it's worthwhile. But if you, if you work from home, of course, a lot of people do. Don't forget to check your signal. People, yeah, the old school, walk in, everyone flushes the toilet, turns the shower on, oh, water pressure's great, good. Mm -hmm. Check your phone signal because... We all know from standing in in properties trying to get hold of you in, you think I don't play signal this place. Like, where's the? Let me try and find the internet so I can get on WhatsApp or something. Yep. It's um, it is true that I think that is a point. How you cover it from all bases, yeah, I don't know because you'd have to have five different, you know, uh, phone providers, wouldn't you, to get a full kind of disclosure? On I mean, the, these are the things that actually I think are, should be more a responsibility of a marketing portal to do. So you know how when you log on to Rightmove, it'll have the distance to station, things like that. Right. Yeah, whether it's fibre because, optic in an area or something like that. Right, yeah. because that data is actually already there for people to check. So I, I'm slightly um, in disagreement, despite the fact I like the, the, the sort of charge to get this information out there. I do think there are certain responsibilities that actually you need to accept that estate agents don't need and shouldn't be doing that because there are some things that actually they're, fundamentally aren't aren't really relevant to what they're doing their their job and expectations i think are shouldn't be what's the mobile phone signal like there when you've got the data already there in the field online and the marketing portals could quite easily pull in that information in terms of local schools broadband speeds yeah. well, who's to say that they kind of won't though because part of this is about that they are going to uh, so right moves Zoopla on the market, property power, all the main portals are going to be updated over the next um, uh, period of time with the new fields that will need to be completed. I guess there is nothing to say that maybe they won't create fields that are automatically generated. You can go on there now and find your distances to the nearest train station. It will differ because it says the crow flies versus what we'll put as the walking distance. Maybe they do. Maybe they do put what the water uh, supplies in the area. I'm assuming that just means whether it's Thames water or not, right? Um, in terms well, of the district. Presumably, but... it's also whether it's connected to the mains. You know, we we think in London, yeah. just about our Oh, I guess, bubbles, in, uh, do you know what I think in sewage? In I don't areas, know if that, but you might have... You might have septic, septic yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you've got a water treatment plant there and you're not on So the that mains. will differ, but things like um, internet, phone signal, all those things, I mean, that could be generated from data, as you said, that's already out there. So I guess there's nothing to say that maybe right move or, or one of the portals won't start to do that. I mean, that's that's what I would hope. Rather than I think that those things being clever, the responsibility of the estate agent. What uh, I can't find on this list, actually, what I was reading earlier, another thing on it was saying that um, they were talking about that you need to be aware of covenants, you know, or restrictions within a lease and easements and such, because obviously that, again, could affect the way. And the way that you would do that is by trying to encourage uh, vendors to engage with a solicitor as early part of the process as possible so they could check through those things first before you list the property. But that's a joke in itself. I mean, how often do we deal with solicitors where... They'll, they'll tell you on the purchaser's transaction that stipulation within the lease is a problem. But when they're acting for a vendor, they're arguing, no, it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they were the the solicitor when they purchased it. But number of times we see it. Yeah, number I mean, I guess that's going to be a subject. They're like, oh, just, you know, just offer an indemnity for it. But actually when they're on the other side, we won't accept an indemnity for that. We want yeah. the lease altered. Like, what? I do think that's crazy. But do you, I mean, no, I was, the more you're talking about it, I thought, there was a bit of a nonsense, to be fair. Now, the more you've spoken about it, I can't believe that they don't have it, that the internet speed's there. I'd 100% want to know that. Of course you would, mate. How is she going to play FIFA? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd want to know. Right. It, that's not a I bad thing I can't believe it's not. It? That, that definitely isn't on right move already. I no, can't believe that. It's not. Um, it must be. It's not. So, uh, 
some of the portals do have extra information. I don't know exactly what they've got, but some it's of not them clearly do. like on the main thing. You might have to dig through it yeah. to find it. But it's some not. of them do because they, they they earn money off the back of it as well, don't they? Because they're all referral sort of based where yeah. you know click here to find out your speed and then it gives you a list of providers and click here click to book it, it. You know, yeah you get have you had 10%. any feedback on a prop i suppose it's london isn't it so everyone's pretty much got fiber have you ever had feedback Mate, on a property we haven't had i'm not going to buy it because S- the internet se23 fiber optic has only just arrived with bt really wow. only well, just arrived office, maybe instruction yeah. levels will pick this up. year yeah sales might be on the up we've not been able to get maybe the transactions will go line. through quicker yeah <laughs> Pick up your emails. Faster. Have you ever had anyone who said I'm not going to buy it because of the internet? We've had we had that last year. I don't say I'm not going to buy it, but he was like, when he was offering, what's the we um, got satellite internet now? Haven't you Starlink? Which yeah, if you're in an area where because that's what we were looking at, putting a basically antenna on the roof to oh, pick really? up Starlink, yeah, and then all of a sudden, um, BT kind Start of sent out a thing being like, oh, you've got um, fiber optic out time that's mad i didn't have that i know all right we digress but to so you you are in favor Look, of that you're I not think, in favor of that i think it what? is a very good idea for sure i think as james says unless you make a uh legislation and it is a blanket approach to everyone that it's never going to have the effect that you want it to have because you're going to have agents not doing it agents trying to do it and that just gives buyers a complete mix mismatch anyway Go on, i do think it could help Weirdly, the whole sort of transaction speed at which they're trying to increase. <laughs> if you did go to solicitors, though, imagine if a vendor went to a solicitor and had to find out a load of information first, and the buyer had that to hand. You might, you might whittle out three, four, five weeks worth of solicitors arguing over a covenant or something if it's just there and you can tell them straight away. I, I quite often look at leases before properties come to market because of I want to look and see whether there's any rising ground rent clauses, um, missing rights to support and shelter. You know, all of these things that ultimately cause problems, you know, the fundamentals of a lease, actually, if they aren't there or they're the ones that have got the problems, it's a lot easier to actually find that out from the word go. Get in front of it. Tell your client you need to do this. But the problem is I am probably one of the only people that, that does that. I was going to say, I've never done that. Right. Yeah. Then, I will really get I into my vendors actually, about it, but I, I thought you were actually going to say just, lease. just read leases. No, no, no. Because <laughs> it's, you're fun at a party. Yeah. That's it. You want to hear my talk on mold and condensation <laughs> and relative humidity. Jesus. Um, so, but the, the, the whole point of it is, is actually mo- most of the big issues are very easy to identify. You know, can I go into the nitty gritty of a lease? No, I'm not a solicitor. But it's, it's the headline problems just to make sure. And if you know where they are within the lease, it's the same in every lease because of the construct. You can very quickly kind of go, right, that's going to cause a problem. It. That's going to cause a problem. That's going to cause a problem. Let's get those sorted. Particularly if you're already talking to them about doing a lease extension anyway. It's the ideal time to then go, right, it's part of that. You need to deal with this because this is going to be a problem. Do you not think sometimes, because I've had, not to that extent, but I am very... You know, I'm very keen to discuss leases and, and lease length with clients because if they are a problem, I'd rather discuss it at the beginning, right? So on valuation, sometimes I'd even go through it with them. Do you feel that maybe some people may end up being like, do you know what, what this guy's gone for my lease, the ins and outs, and when someone else is like, ah, don't worry about it, let's just get it on. Do you ever felt that's my, my, my I've got an against But I, you? I wouldn't do that until they've confirmed that you got the instruction. Yeah, yeah. So I, was that, say, that, that, I, I do feel that there's been probably been a few conversations with vendors where I've been trying to be as honest as possible yeah. for their best kind of way forward yeah. and in the best interest, and someone else has just been like, 
don't worry about it. And then they've gone with them. Yeah, it depends. From a valuation point of view, it depends how the conversation is going. You take the lease with going. you when you go to meet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already read Download it. Download it, yeah, from <laughs> the land registry. I've spent three quid. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Don't expect it back. Um, no, I think, I think it depends on how the conversation goes because I think there are some people that just don't want to hear it, don't understand it, aren't yeah. interested. And with those, it, you are, in my opinion, better off trying to give them the best advice you can within what they're actually capable of listening to and taking on board so that you can then help them afterwards rather than chewing their ear off about yeah. it. Other people really want to know and are like, look, if this is going to stop me selling, I want to get this sorted now. Yeah. So I think you've got to judge each client. And to kind of come back to actually this stuff in, in particular in terms of the trading standards, this is where I think it's so important that actually regulations come in because an awful lot of the information within that that is being requested is going to come down to the experience of the estate agent being able to advise a client accordingly and with respect to our industry i don't think there are that many agents that right now could go through that whole list of requirements and tick every box i don't and there are some boxes on there that just shouldn't be i mean one of the one of the things it says i think in part c is your job as the not specifically this but there is an expectation for the agent to know whether or not there's any asbestos used in the construction of the building do you guys know how to identify asbestos no do you know what thermoplastic floor tiles are popcorn ceiling oh do you know what ceiling possibly it might have a little bit on that yeah but i mean that how could you expect an estate to know they're not surveyors we're not ricks qualified but also can you you know would you go up and look in the roof void and look at the the water tank in there health and safety mate see whether or not that's that's made of asbestos And do you know how you can tell something's made of asbestos? You can't without laboratory testing. You cannot confirm the presence of it. I was actually going to say, skim it and send it to a lab. Without testing it. So actually, then is the expectation if you think there might be asbestos. Start taking lumps at your client's ceiling. I'll come back to the valuation. I need to test this first. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They've just got five foot holes in their ceiling from five different agents taking samples. Do you know how to identify Japanese knotweed? Look at it. I was going to say, well, from a visual point of view, but how, again, tested probably? Uh, well, no, you can't. I mean, it is identified. If it's coming up through your lounge yeah. floorboards, you might have it. Yeah, <laughs> which, which is, is a myth. I mean, it happened once in the world, we're mad. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but no, do you know how how to identify? I mean, you've seen it. I said visually, I'd know. So, yeah, have a good idea, yeah. but no. Do you know how to identify it in the winter? Because it's dead. No. Right. So actually, where. How it, would you? Well, wait, hold on. What, what? It's with great difficulty. Um, but, because so are you saying that all needs to go on the listing part c but i thought this was listings yeah yeah so you're saying that no 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 this whole thing so the agent then has to go in and then put on the listing not weed all of this yeah it's material information that could affect they're gonna put so the next thing they'll do is put the leases on the listing that'd be an attachment something wouldn't it potentially i mean so you basically i don't think that's all good you might as well get you might as well <laughs> get your fault. You might as well get a robot to do what? Sell it, and, and that is the risk of where it's going. You're going to take everything that's personable about it, but it's as not an estate agent. as we said. If it becomes a a standard rule for everyone, then the agent's able to have a chat with buyers and actually explain it. But it's going to be in an okay position anyway. I could very easily talk mm, to someone about point. the lease and not weed and and the ins and outs of stuff if it came up. You would you deal with it anyway, right? During the course, but of you sale. won't get the call. And that's the issue. But then but if it's on everywhere, you... then you will because it, people won't be put off because if everyone's got it, it becomes a norm that you ring them up and you call them it, because the pattern starts to change. But also, e- even if you don't get the call on that one, 
if you've got others where it doesn't have it, so you're getting the inquiries anyway. You so you have your database of people and you're then speaking to Charlie about the feedback for the one that Charlie inquired about. And Charlie's saying, yeah, it's not quite for me because, you know, it didn't have this, didn't have that, didn't have the other. And you're then saying, well, Charlie, why, why haven't you seen this one here? You know, it's been on the market for three weeks. You must have seen it go up. And Charlie goes, well, yeah, I, I did like it, but, you know, it says that there's a risk of asbestos in, in the ceiling. Well, then you, your job as the agent is to go, Charlie, look, how much do you know about asbestos? Might know a lot, might not. Let me explain to you. Here's what, you know, the risks are. Here's what my vendor's willing to do about it. Why don't you come and have a look? And then if you're still worried, having done a bit more research, we'll have a chat about what the offer would be based on actually my vendor having it removed between exchange and completion. That, yeah, it's that's, a great point. And the good agents you'd think would do a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't have an issue with it. I, I have an issue in terms of the expectations of agents to do certain things, like identify stuff that actually they're not trained to do. They don't have the experience to do. And personally, I don't think should the expectation shouldn't be there for them to do it. I think it's unfair. But my expectation of what an estate agent should be doing is listing a property correctly to whatever those um, legislation or regulations are and being an effective marketer and negotiator. Well, part of that is to negotiate getting someone in to view a property that they might not otherwise see based on that information. And if, if you are doing that as an estate agent, I think you're doing the job. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, fair point. Anything else you want to add on? No, I'd be keen to see um, the update on the portals as they're coming in, what fields they actually do and whether it all is manual input from agents, whether they do add anything in themselves. And is there anything that's said when, what date this is actually? Is it in now? I mean, that's as of yesterday, yeah. The portals are going to update and then they've said over the next 12 months they will start to monitor agents and information. Okay, okay. and, And I hope they do. Because I think the, the difference between this actually working and not is is what happens in terms of the monitoring and is making a yes, big... Yes, how it's implemented, isn't it? Yeah, yeah for sure. Is making a big song and dance about it because it's all well and good saying it, but, you know, are they going to do anything about it? It's a bit like, did you guys know you need planning permission for decking if it's more than 300 millimetres above ground level? More than 300 mil? Mm-hmm. That's not a lot, is it? No. What's well, the length of a standard ruler above ground level? That requires planning permission. Have you ever known anyone to get planning permission for decking? And how you know often what? Weirdly, do you see decking I've, that? I've had someone ask if they had planning permission for decking. I honestly looked at the guys if he was, if he was crazy. <laughs> planning permission for decking? Are you mad? And actually, it was on like one of the well murder roads, you know, where they're raised out the back and you've got to drop it probably five or six foot. Um, yeah. And there was a question about it. Yeah. yeah. But my point is, you don't know anyone who's applied for planning permission to do that. Do you know anyone who's had enforcement action against the local authority no. as a result of right? Yeah. So nobody does apply for planning permission, despite the fact that is the rule. Mm. It's neither here nor there because it's not enforced. So and the same is going to go for for these standards that actually, unless they enforce them, it's just another kind of one that falls by the wayside. So I hope they do. I think I I really do think that there's a benefit to everybody. I think buyers benefit from having an awful lot more information up front. I think vendors benefit from probably the reduced risk of a fall through, which is also something we benefit from as the agents. Yeah. And I think the agents that do abide by these correctly benefit from trust from, from their clients, particularly from purchasers where there is that stigma still, even in today's age um, with the industry. So, I, I, yeah, I welcome it. I just hope that actually they're, they're implemented correctly. What I would like to see is some sort of standardized form from trading standards in terms of, 
you know, you, basically, you're not doing your own forms anymore as estate agents. It's this is the template. What the property information? Form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like a TA six, where yeah. you know, it's. I've that's always it. just thought I can't believe that's not standard. Anyway. Oh, agreed, mate. Yeah. In this day and age, how is there not a standard form of material information for a vendor to fill in before going to market? It's, it's bonkers. It does seem madness. Yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. You're going to get those agents who write like those Agatha Christie novels, aren't you? Close your eyes and picture your dream home. They're going to be struggling, aren't they? With the Japanese novel. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't hit your head on your asbestos. Through the door of your asbestos <laughs> shed. <laughs> yeah. um, fine. Cool, 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 cool. Um, a quick listener question. Uh, the person has said, they've got an email that's sent in here. I've offered on a property and need to sell my property to purchase it. Would it be a wise idea for me to list it now before Christmas? Given that we're December the first, oh, depends what it is. I'd say really at the moment. I think, I uh, it, it really depends from area to area, doesn't it? At the moment, we're not having an issue in here with Green of properties receiving offers. So we have had clients that I would have encouraged to go on because they have seen property or would like to get moving. A couple of years ago, I said, "Don't, don't be daft. Hold off. You know, let's go in January. You know, the market's quiet. You're only going to be at loss. There's no point. You'll go stagnant over Christmas. Let's be the new one in Jan, not the old one." So it just really depends on the market. I think if you've seen a property though, as long as you're going to be proactive about the price and don't want to try and hit them, you know, hit sky high prices and you know want to push for it just to see what happens, there's always buyers out there. I think if it's a if it's a house, I would, because there is such a shortage, certainly for around here, of houses at the moment. And we've listed two this week that have gone bananas. Um, we're fully booked on Saturday now. So here you go. So, it's complete reverse. At the moment, flats are a lot easier than houses in Hibergreen. So I'd say to flats, get them on. We're selling them. Houses, we've got houses on right now. Normally we'd sell in a week. No worries. They're slapping them in Hibergreen. Three viewings last weekend, a couple of viewings tomorrow. Slow. I would say for that person personally, if they've got the property that they've offered on, get it on. If they yeah, keep didn't. The, keep the agent and vendor happy on the yeah, other side. Just get it on. Yeah. If they didn't, personally, I probably wouldn't list it until... The, the new year. year but i'd get all of the marketing and i'd get the agent to send it out internally and yeah you know get it ready i hate that soft launch which is a bit off market nonsense if you can thing, yeah. but what, get people in see what you can generate pre-christmas and then launch it what i would avoid is beginning the of Jan. nonsense that you get at the end of the year where agents start putting putting things on christmas eve and boxing day because right move you know clicks are through the roof because everyone's at oh, home we know that last it's year. end of year stats for agents isn't it they just want stock but who's around to take a view in you no because you're at christmas is the agent yeah. open no so all of a sudden well, to be fair we're open 27th 28th 29th yeah but yeah but most does most someone likely. want you around their house on the 28th the day after boxing day when the family's still there and then with christmas you know trees and stuff no also, the it, also, it make if there's a Christmas tree there? But the other, <laughs> when all the presents are around and the kids are playing. Yeah, exactly. You know, just got a new Star Wars set. Yeah. Um, the other thing is there is this psychological element to it, which is I was having a chat with a client about it who's moving agent this year, um, hopefully to us, but we'll see. I was going to say, uh, not from you. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> She's leaving yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, who had been advised to list in that period. And I said to her exactly that. But also the additional thing is, as soon as it's 2024, within a few weeks, Give anything right that's listed in 2023 looks like it's been on the market yeah. for a year. Yeah, It's just that psychological And now change. You, you lose, what, two, three weeks over Christmas? Well, that's what I've been, I'd say to vendors, I, I don't mind them doing it because when you get back in January, all their stock's gone on. We put three, four things on. You're the top of the, the top of the listings, yeah. you're the new houses, and all the other ones are cold. So. We actually did it last year on the day just before we, 
just before we were back in the office no we did or, it on i don't know if we worked christmas eve like whatever the last day was that we worked last year he was adamant he wanted it on the 25th yeah, put it on didn't get one inquiry between christmas I remember and that. Year. yeah yeah had a lot of clicks oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> browsing it's yeah. but not one viewing um so yeah there you go uh just very quickly because i know you got to rush off to a couple of appointments james i think the older uh, quiz went down pretty well last week even though you who won well, could it, might have to have a remark given those property prices <laughs> from last week. <clears throat> so, as always, first person to answer. If you jump in and try and get keen and it's wrong, you're out. The next person can take as long as they want within reason before James's appointments. <laughs> uh, so, first one: What is the term given to land or property held by a tenant for a specified period? What's the term for the land? Say it again, mate. What is the term given to land or property held by a tenant for a specified period? Leasehold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Zero marks. Yeah. In UK, <laughs> this is off to a good start. Mm. In UK law, what term is given to the transfer of legal title or real property from one person to another? Conveyance conveyancing well done james cool you're both going to get this one so he's quickest what does the acronym RICS stand for royal institute of chartered surveyors Surveyors. yeah give that to alex he got there a little bit quicker on that one uh which brothers and british luxury property developers bought their candy correct Mm. bought their first property in 1995 a one-bedroom flat and it was cool which house builder was the first to use TV advertising in 1978 with a series of ads featuring a helicopter? Taylor Wimpy. Barkley Holmes? Barrett. Oh, Barrett. Oh, one of them. One. <laughs> yeah, one of the three. A right to cross or otherwise use someone else's land for a specified purpose. Easement. James. A government department who registers roughly 90% of land and its owners in the land UK. Registry. Yeah. A right which attaches itself to the owner of the land is also known as what? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this one correctly. A personum? P-E-R-S-O-N-A-M. Personum. Yeah. Personum. Personum. Yeah. That's new to me, mate. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair. Uh, well, that concludes the quiz uh, and the podcast, which is interesting. In fact, like a fairly long one today. I don't know, it might, just over an hour. Maybe. Might be wrong. Yeah, don't worry, mate. I've, when I've edited all the rubbish Half out, an hour. I'll be thinking <laughs> that um, But as always, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for that, guys, and thanks to the thanks, listeners Jack. for joining. Yeah.